Good night. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're talking about the spoils of war season seven, episode four. And this was really, uh, even before the ending an episode, I really, really liked. And, uh, like such, there were so many subtle things going on in this episode. And it definitely left me like kind of craving, you know, saying, geez, I really wish, you know, and unfairly saying how I, when there's nice, uh, Episodes like this, uh, middle season episodes, uh, that, uh, I, I don't know, which is, I say, man, I wish it was 20 episodes a season, but I don't think you could make an episode like this w- without making, you know, you to be realistic, Scoots. So, wow, so thankful for this storytelling going on. And then it caps off with a, a lot of other stuff, a whole dancing contest. Uh, so let's see what else I got here. Okay. I was confused on the opening cause I guess I was under the impression. Uh, I don't know. I thought I had read this somewhere that if they show something in the opening, the, the episode is going to take place there. And I even found myself wondering, is it like this season? Of course, I never paid attention till this episode, but is it, does it, do they show it in order? Uh, but maybe, I don't know, because in this opening, they showed old town, the wall and Pike, uh, none of which were visited that I know of. Though hopefully Khaleesi will be visiting Pike soon. And, uh, but I don't think it, Euron would even care. And the episode opens with this like very artistic shot. Uh, it's like a low camera shot. And there's like weeds or thistles that are kind of in and out of focus, uh, almost like a DSLR shot. You know, that you try to do where, where like, uh, I don't know what they called a bokeh or whatever the heck. Uh, it wasn't that, though. I, like, I'm not a cinematographer, but uh, really beautiful, beautiful. Like, uh, this was a great shot. And then there was, a my, like, uh, my favorite shot of all of Game of Thrones in this episode. So I wondered if that was Thistle that, like, they were showing. And we finally get the return of Bran this episode. And he really doesn't disappoint here. He's, uh, you know, he's talking to Jamie like uh, he reads Jamie's mind at first because Jamie's bummed out. And he said, what did uh, Lady Olana, you know, say some stuff to you that hurt your feelings? Uh, and he says, by the way, like, Jamie's paying Brian a bag of gold so big and heavy. I think at first Brian tries to stick it in his front pocket. And then he realizes, like, uh, it's too big and too heavy. And it was interesting with the, like, like I try, used to try to avoid watching the uh, coming attractions at the end of the episodes, but like I can't anymore because I'm just so, uh, like, I don't know. So I thought that this would be like, a, this episode was going to be about some sort of decision with Jamie with gold, but it's not. Uh, but Brian still wants his castle and Jamie says, well, think of the upkeep. So it's still like a little fun interaction between the two of them. Jamie's like, like he gave, he just gave you a lot of money. Whereas like, it's not a castle. And Jamie goes, you don't want a castle, uh, especially high garden. That's the first one they look at. Uh, he goes, it's a lot of upkeep, uh, like the more, like George Carlin. He's like, the more you own, the more it weighs you down. I mean, I guess he just didn't realize how important that was. He says, the more you owe, the more it weighs you down. So that was really like, a, they snuck that one in there. This is my fourth time watching the episode, and this is the first time I really noticed that because I have the closed caption on. Yeah, the more you owe, the more it weighs you down. 
I think that could be the third verse of uh, uh, Reigns of Casimir, the new, like the new version that may come one day soon. Because uh, then he says, we pay our debts. Uh, Got to get this money to the Iron Bank. It's not mine. Uh, okay, wait. Uh, quite impeccable. I forgot. I missed that word. Uh, saddlebag full of gold, complaining. Implacable, I think somebody says about debt, but I didn't, like, I can't spell anything. Uh, then uh, Sam's family, like, rolls up on horses, and Jamie sends Bron with them to motivate the farmers to hurry up. Uh, what, is, what is Sam? Sam Gange? It's not Sam Gange, it's the other one. Uh, Tarlus, uh, thanks, Jamie, to motivate the farmers, uh, which is more Bron comedy. And the next, uh, then we go to the happy banker of Bravos, uh, who we'll talk about in the facts, a very, fa- like, very famous person who would be meaning to give his due. Uh, who, but I'll probably, I'm going to mess up his last name anyway. But, uh, yeah, and then I get to give John and Craig a shout out too. But Cersei is a very, very quiet and unamused as uh, she's talking with the happy banker again. He says, geez, you're more efficient, efficient than your father. He goes, you're redefining words. Uh, she goes, you're too kind. He goes, your lord. He goes, I'm not a lord or kind. I'm just an instrument of an institution. Just a arithmetic, no sentiment. He goes, the current arithmetic is outstanding. And then he goes, by the way, where's the gold? She goes, on its way. Jamie's, Jamie's on it. She drinks some wine. And he goes, well, people are going to be let down because those interest payments were huge. Uh, and she goes, well, we'll have to boost their spirits. He goes, yeah, how about some new venture? Like uh, what you're up to? And she goes, yeah, my only venture at this moment is reestablishing control of the continents. And every person on it. Uh, and he goes, oh, there's great potential there. Outside investment, maybe? And she goes, yeah, I need armies and navies. Uh, uh, Kyburn is her hand, which somehow I forgot. A golden company. They go, oh, yeah. He goes, they're, they're great. I, I looked them up on Yelp. Uh, 4.5 stars. Uh, she goes, well, I'd like them to recover some things that belong to me. Which I don't understand that one either. Is that is that a mysterious, uh, that might have been a mystery in there. Like, what else does Circe consider to belong to her? Because in the next scene is uh, Baelish with his, like, he's got, he goes, uh, I think he's Brandon Baelish, which I think would be a good name for a sports podcast. Brandon Baelish, we're we're on the, the like, a Quidditch podcast, if Quidditch was real. I mean, I know there is Quidditch, but, you know, real Quidditch. And they're sitting in front of a window, and she goes, here's a dagger to play with, kid. And he goes, well, I'm not a kid anymore. He goes, I talked to your brother about how much I love your mom. I was wondering if I could talk to you about it for a few minutes. I just want what she would have wanted, what I imagine she would have wanted. That's why I'm here, because I still love her. I won't mention your sister, but if there's anything I can do for you, you only ask. And Bran's like staring at the dagger. He goes, do you know who this belonged to in a knowing way? Bailey, she goes, nope, but it started the War of the Five Kings. And Bran just keeps staring. And he goes, Bailey, she goes, yeah, it's kind of part of your journey, that thing. And then Bran goes, he goes, uh, you've seen probably seen a lot of chaos in your life, Bran. Bran goes, chaos? Chaos is a ladder. 
which is a Baelish quote, uh, blows his mind at 9.55. Oh, no, Baelish is talking about coming home. Oh, so chaotic with your sister in charge or something, some BS. Uh, but it was awesome. He totally blows Baelish's mind in. He goes, Kayla, but then it's interrupted by Mira. Yeah, as Baelish just kind of like uh, barely has chance to sink in, he goes, "Sorry, Lord Stark," uh, and he uh, Bran goes, "I'm not a lord." And then we have uh, this another cold goodbye, but it plays out the exact opposite of uh, Masande and Grey Worm's goodbye, and it could really relate to the scene. Unfortunately, like a lot of us go through this. Uh, like when like those of us that have trouble with emotional reading and um, like stuff in general that maybe we're a little detached or a little numb. Uh, I, I think uh, this scene was just very relatable because uh, she goes, uh, "Yeah, I don't want to leave you." And then you know they talk and she, she goes, "You don't need me anymore," but she's just saying it. And he goes, "No, I don't." Uh, and she goes, that's all? I can't believe, like, this, you're not, like, emotional or you're not feeling anything. I've sacrificed a lot for you, and a lot of other people have, and you're unfeeling. I hear this all the time. You're unfeeling. I talked about it a lot on, when I was on Harmontown, but, like, it, it, this really rang true. I think it's more about this theme of this episode, which we'll touch on at some point, but... uh it, like, it really was felt like the isolation of being the three-eyed raven uh, came across here. He goes, well, I'm not Bran really totally anymore. But you really see the, like, mirrors, you know, feelings too. Okay, so I do have some notes here on this. Like, uh, like this, there's this, kind of this, this string in this episode of, like, the impact of what the, like, what the Starks and other people have been through. With these, especially with these homecomings of like uh, what they're carrying with them uh, from the past. Uh, let me pause it because that's the big scene. Uh, so it, I guess I'll talk about it more. But at twelve oh five is literally the shot of all seven seasons. Uh, it's this rising boom shot of someone on horseback from behind and snow everywhere, and as the boom rises, we see Winterfell, and we see it's Arya coming home. Just a beautiful, unbelievably beautiful shot. And then we have a, a little bit of a comedic strange scene, uh, I guess. Uh, like, uh, Arya rolls up on two soldiers, I think maybe just to, like, uh, catch us up on where she is. I think the guy says, I up, E-Y-U-P, the uh, coast caption says. And it's basically a couple of guard goofballs wasting Ari's patience and say, oh, Lady Starkle doesn't have time for you. And she says, what Lady Stark? Uh, but then Arya dodges out of the way. They give her a hard time. She goes, give my sisters, you fools. Uh, so then they tell her to sit down and they argue about who's going to go tell Sansa. So then Arya rolls out. Uh, Oh, but first she sits there and soaks in uh, Winterfell. Like she just looks across, uh, and there's some nice, uh, like kind of Winterfell Stark theme music. I don't know what it's called with strings, and we watch her pan around the room, and then she looks at the Stark banner. Then she's gone. Then the soldiers report to Sansa. 
then does this say Sir pa- Oh, Sir Roderick and Master Lewin, Llewellyn or whatever. So she goes, oh, I know, that's really my sister. And then we see the bad statue, and Arya's there breathing, and Sansa comes in, and there's a nice jangle to announce her, like of some of, some of the stuff she's wearing. I like the sound effects. And Arya, it's awkward at first. Arya says, do I have to call you Lady Stark? And Sansa says, yes. Uh, and then Sansa gets her second one-way hug of the season. She gives Arya a big hug, but it's one-way. Arya doesn't hug back. It's awkward. Uh, guard and clo- oh, they talk about guards. They talk about their clothes. Uh, John gets a smile when Sansa uh, Sansa says, "Geez, John was happy to see me." When he sees you, he's going to be even happier. Uh, then they talk about like uh, the statue, how bad it is. Uh, like that, someone that know knows their father face should have uh, done it. Also brought up again, who who's on candle duty in castles? I, I googled it and uh, an ad for a White Castle scented candle came up. Believe it or not, uh, but she is yeah. Whoever we we knew his face, uh, but most everybody's gone. And then they talk about Joffrey. Uh, she goes, "Did you really take out Joffrey?" And Sansa goes, "I wish I did, but I didn't." And they have a brief talk about uh, Arya's list, and Sansa just laughs, thinking it's a joke. Uh, and then they talk about this impact again, this little string in the episode that's very important, the impact that they're carrying with them home, you know, like uh, of the events they've all dealt with uh, that have changed them, uh, children to adults, but much more than that, uh, uh, like a resonant impact or whatever, like a those like vibrating things, you know, forks. Like, yeah, neither of them. No, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't pleasant for me either. And they said she will have to share stories, but uh, they're not over. Arya points out, and then Arya gives a legit hug to Sansa, and I had tears. I think I might have had tears earlier too. And then Sansa goes, Arya, a brand's home, but uh, he's weird as, uh, you know, WTF weird, really. And then we're in the Weirwood Grove, and Bran's like, it seems like he's face-to-face with that robotic tree face uh, from a distance. Uh, And then they walk up to him, Sansa and Arya, and Arya turns around, he gives him a hug, and he looks at Sansa. And uh, he goes, geez, I saw you at the crossroads, thought you were going to go to King's Landing. And Arya goes, so do I. And then she goes, what the heck? And Sansa goes, well, Bran has visions now. And she's like, well, why would you go to King's Landing? And uh, Bran says, Cersei's on her list. Uh, And Sansa gives us like a classic Sansa face, which we'll get a couple more of in this episode. Which is definitely like a, like I can never quite figure it out, which is good. Uh, whether she's like, like displeased or, you know, she says that Sansa look. And she goes, who else is on the list? And Ari says, don't worry about it. And then Bran plays with this little finger dagger. He goes, where'd you get a little finger? Well, why would he give it to you? He only gives stuff to people if he wants something from them. And Arya goes, that's a Valerian steel. Uh, why would it? And he, Bran goes, doesn't matter. I don't want it. And he gives it to Arya. 
Uh, but this brings up this other string, great string in, in the whole series, but particularly this season, which hopefully the season's leading to. Uh, but it's almost like this mystery of like, what is Baelish up to? Who does he work for? What is his plan? And where is it like, uh, when is it going to be revealed? Uh, and even like, what does Baelish really want? I mean, these are all questions, uh, you know, really teasing it out. Uh, uh, just like there's a classic mystery intertwined with this show. So what is Baelish up to? But Bran gives the uh, dagger to Arya. He does this weird pullback with his hand. And then we see the three of them walking into the courtyard of Winterfell. And Brienne smi- almost smiles. Uh, and Patrick says, see, you kept your vow, lady." You know, she's hard. He goes, you're hard. She goes, no, nah, no. He goes, you're hard on yourself, lady." She goes, I'm not. A- she goes, I told you. And then she goes, thank you, Patrick. So we even see kind of little changes there. And another question is, where are we going with Patrick this season? Because he seems like uh, he's getting these little, uh, I don't know, I think he's going to play some big role or a small role. Or, you know, I'm just like just a red hair. I'm just chasing red herrings. Uh, but Baelish also watches the three of their arrival and uh, smiles. Uh, but he smiles when he hears the call of Raven. So I didn't know if that meant news arrived and he already knew what the news was. Uh, but I have a feeling that's really what it was. And then we see Khaleesi and Missande, uh coming down the steps towards the beach at Dragonstone. And they're talking about like what happened with Grey Worm. And she says, great many things. And she grins. Uh, and Khaleesi goes, many things? She goes, yeah, great many things. Uh, and even the Khaleesi gets a smile. And it turns out at some point between episodes, John and the Onion Knight have been spelunking, which is a beautiful podcast word, spelunking. How about that? Do you spelunk? Like, uh, how about that? Like, uh, I, I, like, I should just start asking people that. Hey, by the way, do you spelunk? Uh, because it's a beautiful word, and you're beautiful. Like, maybe, like, I don't have any lines anyway. Uh, but maybe I should use that, but I wouldn't ever have the courage to. And I guess it would be insulting to everyone involved. Uh, but it doesn't change the fact that spelunk's a beautiful word. And they've been spelunk- spelunking, <laughs> as I said. Uh, uh, Davos has got a torch, uh, and they show off the inside of uh, the dragon glass. Uh, and John goes, this is all we'll ever need. I wanted to show it to you before we started chopping it up. Uh, and he goes, but there's something else. And then there's these cave paintings from the children of the forest. And John really uses it to make his point. He's like so ham-handed with this stuff. Uh, he really is trying to hammer home his point. There's lots of circles, like almost like mandalas that you walk uh and she goes, geez, was this when the children were first, the first men? He goes, no, no, children and the first men were against our common enemy, the blue-eyed uh, walkers. And he shows that they even have special effect. Uh, it, he keeps trying to hint at Khaleesi without hinting. And I'm like, geez, dude. And they do exchange a lot of looks. They get really physically close. So Khaleesi really breathes. And uh, she goes, do you really need my help, dude? And he goes, yeah. And, and she goes, well, uh, I'll fight for you when you bend to the knee. And John goes, well, dude, my people won't take a southern leader. 
And then this is when she gets in close. She goes, they chose you. They'll accept whatever you do. But then it's like a boom moment. Because uh, Khaleesi totally, this is why she's the Khaleesi. She goes, isn't their survival more important than your pride? And they leave us with another mystery. Because then they just show them walking out. Uh, so we don't know what happened. And it's Masande, Davos, Khaleesi, and uh, John. And, like, standing outside is double bad news because Tyrion and Varys standing out there. And they go, well, we took uh, Casterly Lorac, but... Uh, and then Khaleesi's storming across the sand. Davos is like, why don't we leave you to discuss this among yourselves? She's like, no. And Daenerys is not pleased at all. And Tyrion's like, it was the right plan. Uh, just like, like we took Casterly Rock, that part worked. And she goes, right plan. And she goes, what is this? Are you in this with your, like your family or what? Cause uh, they, they keep getting up on us. And she goes, I'm sitting on this Island and uh, all my allies are gone. We've got no food. And Tyrion goes, well, we still could do like, we still could still do the blockade part. And, uh, Oh, that's when she says the right plan. She goes, we lost Dorne, the Iron Islands, and the Reach. Oh, and he says, if I've underestimated my, our enemies. She goes, your family, you mean? Then she asks John what he thinks they should do. And John goes, well, you know, maybe the, like, uh, the dragons are cool. And, you know, maybe that you brought something impossible into this world. People believe that you could do something else impossible. Oh, because Khaleesi goes, this is time for clever plans is over. Uh, then she asked John, uh, and John goes, maybe you, they still think you could build a world that's different from all the junk that all the other rulers are. But if you start, like, uh, melting castles and uh, chasing people with dragons, you know, I don't think that's that's the same old story. And we're left to hang again. We don't know what's decided. Then we see Brienne and Padraig. She says, don't lunge. And she's kind of bullying Padraig. Uh, hey, don't do this. So she's schooling him again. And then we hear Arya from the background. She goes, you know what? Don't fight someone like her in the first place. Uh, and this is, again, another highlight of the ever. Because uh, Brienne goes, it's a very nice dagger. And Arya goes, thanks. You want to check it out? And uh, Sansa and Baelish are, like, talking grain, and then they see the two of them in the courtyard, and they, they do, like, a what? And some of this has been a while. I, I don't know what that means. It's been a while since we've seen each other. Oh, it's been a while since I got trained. Uh, she And uh, Brianne says, well, get somebody down here to train you. She goes, no, 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 you. You beat the hound. Uh, and Brianne goes, nah. She goes, you swore to serve both my mother's daughters, right? And Sansa's is watching. She's definitely not totally pleased with this. And uh, then they start, they do a little, uh, what do they call that? Like when they practice, uh, practice stuff. Uh, and Brienne goes, your, your, your sword's a little too small. And then holy bravo, see call, callback, I said. Because uh, this felt like a callback to season one. Uh, Ari puts the sword behind her back. That's at 3145. And they do some dancing, and then Arya goes down to Brienne, and at first there's like a froze. 
And then the real fun starts. You could tell they're both into it. The music starts up. They're smiling. But Sansa's watching. Baelish is watching, too. Baelish seems amused. And Arya loses her sword. And it ends up in a draw. And Brienne goes, who taught you how to do that? And Arya says, no one. But both of them are very pleased. It was like a moment we've been waiting for to have these two together. Again, I guess. And then even Brienne looks amused. She looks, they look up to Sansa, but Sansa does not look happy. And Baelish grins and Arya and Brienne just stare down Baelish. uh, And he bows to them. and then we get a scene that I'm not pleased about, about with Davos. So this season he's been, uh, I don't get it, but Davos and John are walking down the stairs at, uh, Dragonstone. And, uh, Davos go like they say, well, he goes, what's up with the Khaleesi? What do you think of her? Or he just says, what do, you, what do you think of her? And John says, who? And Davos, this was funny. He said, I believe you know of who I speak, uh, and he goes, I notice you're staring at her, uh, at her heart, if you know, like, cause you know, he says, I, I think she has a good heart. He goes, I know she's staring at her heart, dude. And then he gets all, he gets like a, like a slimy and mansplaining you know, in one scene. Like this was so weird. Like he goes, speaking of good hearts, Miss Sunday of North, uh, and like he said, what in the heck? Uh, like old man, is this what is this? A few, is this my future too? Like, will I meet her and then do the same thing and be like, uh, everyone will be cringing? It was, this was cringeworthy. I guess that's the exact word. Uh, weird old man, chipper weird old man. That's what I put. Uh, cringeworthy. And I didn't realize it till after the episode. But this is a classic man- mansplaining moment. And I know it's like uh, it just is. Uh, First, she goes, Sardavis, Lord Snow. He goes, well, it's more of a king or a, uh, I'm going to read the dialogue just to make my point. King, whatever. And then they kind of talk about uh, what does it mean to be a bastard? Why do you have to take on a name? And she goes, well, in Narth, we don't have marriage. So this whole idea seems ludicrous. Uh, and Davos goes, it sounds liberating. Yeah, but then let's see. He goes, this is so... It's so lame, Davos. Uh, he goes, oh, John says, why'd you leave your homeland? And uh, Masande kind of tells a tiny bit of her, above her story. And Davos says, if I know, how did a slave girl come to advise Daenerys Targaryen? And she goes, well, she bought me from my master and set me free. And then Davos says, look at this guy. I said, when did you get on Facebook and Twitter, dude? Because he says, uh, well, it sounds like you just serve a different master then, or something. Let me see. The scene passed, but it's just so, I guess maybe because this is like my TV show girlfriend or something. Because that was good of her. Of course, you're serving her now, aren't you? And I think that's the exact type of language when people say that on Facebook. Uh, like, uh, but she goes, no, you don't know what you're talking about, lame ass. It's just so strange that we've talked about it in the last episode, and then it comes up, and it's my one of my favorite characters. Uh, I don't know, Davos, man. You get like, please, please get like, we need to keep these two separated. He's supposed to be the proxy for me, and now he's acting just like me. 
Uh, but then, like, as uh, Tyrion said, she kind of talks about her viewpoint. She goes, this is the queen we all chose. Uh, and Davos goes, forgive me if I don't switch sides. Uh, and we hear Belle and John sees the ship, and they all see the ship. And he goes, isn't that a Greyjoy ship? And then we have a Theon and Joy, J- John reunition moment. Uh, and I put, oh, boy. Because John walks up, and Theon plays dumb. He goes, John, I didn't know you were here. And Davos watches very quickly, like, or very intensely, like, because I guess he doesn't know all this information. And he goes, dude, like, and John goes, Theon, luckily you, you helped Sansa otherwise. Uh, but he goes, what happened to your uncle or your sister? Uh, and Theon goes, I don't know, I've come to ask the queen. And they go, the queen is gone. And Theon goes, where did she go? And the next thing you know, we're on the set of Westworld or something, like the American uh, West. And we find out the Lannister gold made it, uh, and they, they're trying to cross the Blackwater Rush. They're in this canyon. It looks like like the, a greener version of the canyon. Uh, who's that? Roadrunner hangs out at. And Sam's dad, Lord Tarly's talking about uh, stragglers and flogging them. Uh, to hurry people up, and Jamie and Brian just share a look like again, almost like a cringeworthy moment too. They're like, uh, "Who is this fool?" And they go, "Don't worry." They say, "We'll think about it." Uh, then they go down to Bricken. They say, "Hey, Bricken, what's up?" He goes, "It's Dickin." And Brian cracks up at that. Uh, but then even uh, Dickin talks about the impact of uh, that he's having. Uh, from these intense events is that it's having an impact on him of his first battle that he was ever in. And then Brian has a fine, a fine line, though. He goes, didn't they teach you that at fancy lad school? Uh, but then they start, go to start talking, and Brian senses something's wrong right away. And then we hear this thunderous rumbling. And it's a rumble of uh, like uh, what the Lannisters decide is they've been called out in a conga battle. And uh, like, uh, I guess I didn't realize this about their history, but uh, they say everybody, they say, jump in line. It's time to rock your body on time, Lannisters. Uh, And so they start getting ready. They get in these conga lines and like really organized. like uh, the Lannisters and how they conga, but they're dealing with uh, this is going to be a cross cultural dance off in uh, the Dothraki are coming, and the, the Dothraki crests the hill, and there's this rumbling, and uh, they're, they're uh, doing different uh, noises, yeah, like yelps and yells, and uh, really stirring it up, and it ends up okay, the Lannisters get the rules. We're going to conga line. Uh, we're going to rock the body on time. Do, do they believe them? Like, so almost like a staring contest, but within a conga line. So the Lannisters start to conga. And I guess there's, I don't like, hey, this is just what I'm putting together. There's also conga coaches. So like Jamie, Bron, uh, Dickon, Sam's dad, like, uh, trying to like God guide the conga line and stick it together. That's the thing. So the Dothraki are trying to break the conga line, kind of like going for a Guinness competitive Guinness Book World Recording in Westeros. Like, uh, 
we're going to get the record for the longest, steadiest uh, conga line. And the Dothraki are going to prevent us by, like, a staring contest, like, trying to make people laugh. Uh, and, oh, boy, are the Dothraki good at it. So Jamie says, and Bronn says, dude, get the heck out of here. Like, you don't want to be associated. We're, we're going to lose, and we're going to lose bad. And he goes, Jamie, you're a damn handsome man with great hair. You can't be associated with, like, a, like the great conga crash of... Uh, zero zero four two or wherever the heck year it is and jamie goes i'm not gonna and then we hear the sound of drogan and uh our khaleesi's on drogan's back and they're all like uh like uh they, they've never seen a disco ball that's the thing and drogan's dragging a giant disco ball and using the dragon power to light it uh and if you're normal, if you're experienced with the disco, it's just not fair. Like the disco ball lights are going in the eyes of the Lannisters, spinning around, also hypnotizing some of them. Because again, they've never seen it. Di- like they almost feel like there's starlight coming on them. And there's, then there's fog effects that the dra- Drogon and the Khaleesi are doing. And this makes the Congo line go haywire. And then the Dothraki... They're doing like be like again stuff these Lannisters have never seen before. BMX stunts on uh, horseback, like riding on horseback, like standing on horseback, jumping off of horses. And Lannisters are trying to hold their conga line, and it of course like uh, it becomes like a total chaos. And especially like Sam's dad's like, even if the line breaks, you got to keep dancing, like uh, rock, rock your body on time and then jump back in line. And then Jamie, like uh, Jamie and uh, uh, Ron are like, uh, like Jamie tries everything. All the wagons go bye bye. Like they already won the wagons. I guess that was one of the bets. Uh, for the dance-off that was arranged ahead of time between episodes or whatever. Jamie tries this special dance he's going to lead, calls the Archer's Knock, which he goes like, everybody rock, get down on your hocks, which are your feet, your your heels, and do the Archer's Knock. That doesn't work. Uh, like, the Khaleesi just shines light right in their eyes, puts fog, too much, like, total fog bank, uh, and then Jamie goes to Brian, like, dude, we got you, like, uh, we're actually dancing with dragons here, just like that book title. He goes, I need you to uh, go to do the, there's this sleep, th-. he goes, go put the dragon asleep with the uh, sleep solution that Maester Quiburn has. Uh, and Brian goes, you do it. He, Jamie goes, I only got one hand, bro. I'm dancing. Yeah, then Jamie gets in trouble. Dickon helps him, like, uh, get back in line. We see a lot of Bron. Bron loses his gold, uh, uh, trying to to rock his body on time. He even says, okay, I believe it. Uh, Then Bron tries to put the dragon to sleep. And meanwhile, Tyrion's watching it at a distance, and he's shaken by all this. Because even he's never seen a disco ball. Like, he's heard about a disco ball. Maybe he's seen it, but never like this. Uh, and he was raised to believe in the power of conga lines. And, you know, the, like, uh, like that there's, like, there's implacable joy. Like, he, I guess he thought that that's, you know. So, 
He, T Tyrion's like stunned. The Khaleesi does not want Drogon to go to sleep, especially when Drogon's flying with the Khaleesi on. It's, it's so she manages to land Drogon while Drogon's about to fall asleep. Uh, and she's trying to get to like, uh, the, like, uh, whatever the, the thing that's putting Drogon to sleep uh, out of him. And this is a great build of tension for everything. This is just like a very intense, uh, it shows the cost of dancing, going for world records in Westeros dancing wise. Uh, but really like, a, like, oh, there's a great shot of a dragon over water, but then, okay. So then like then the dance off is pretty much d developed into chaos. You have some Lannisters left dancing with themselves and, uh, like, you know, the uh, Dothraki are just, like, uh, basically making sure no people are dancing together. Yeah, but then uh, Jamie looks, he sees the Khaleesi standing by herself, and he says, well, I'm going to dance with her. Like, uh, I want to dance with somebody. And he starts riding over towards her. And Tyrion's watching a far distance. He says, flee, you idiots. And right before uh, they get to, Jamie gets to the Khaleesi to dance with her, Drogon says, uh, her dance cards fall. And right as he's about to yell it really loud, uh, Jamie jumps in, somebody helps Jamie jump in the water, which was another mystery. We don't know who, who it was. And with that, the episode came to a conclusion uh, with Jamie swimming with somebody else. Uh, there's also, like, uh, stuff in the water, which I said, I don't know if that was effects. Also, also the sound effects uh, with this uh, non-dancing dancing, like, especially Drogon, were just uh, unbelievable. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about some facts. Okay, so a couple of things came out of this episode. First was the Golden Company. And according to Game of Thrones Wiki, uh, uh, Golden Company which was a sellsword company active in Essos. And here's the important thing. 10,000 trained soldiers during the War of the Five Kings. Uh, and they have a reputation of never breaking a contract, which is uncommon among mercenary organizations. Uh, in Season 4, Davos had suggested to Stannis that they, they hire them uh, to help win the Iron Throne, uh, but Stannis refused, believing sellswords unfit to join his army. Uh, Davos said it was uh, hypocritical, you know, that he'd use magic, but he won't uh, pay men to fight. And it was also in season four, Jorah said, hey, you can't hang out with Dario. He's a sellsword, even though she was like, you were in the Golden Company uh, before joining my brother. I guess in the books, uh, like uh, the Golden Company was founded 100 years before the War of the Five Kings by Bittersteel, uh, one of the bastard sons of Aegon Targaryen after he fled Westeros uh, during the Black Fire Rebellion or Fire Rebellion. Uh, uh, when Aegor worked with his second sons, he saw the exiled lords and knights uh, signing out with other companies and saw the support of the House of Blackfriar, Fry, Fry, at fire ebbing away. He created his own sellsword company. Uh, that way, the Blackfriars could remain some of their core fighting force uh, in dealing with the Targaryens. Uh, 
Our, their motto, our word, our word is as good as gold, uh, while their battle cry is beneath the gold, the bitter steel. So this is just a little bit about the Golden Company. Now, how about, how about Mark Gatiss or Gattis, uh, G-A-T-I-S-S? He's the uh, English actor who plays the uh, Bravos Bank, uh, Ticho Nestoris. Uh, but he was also mentioned in uh, my favorite podcast, or one of my favorite podcasts, Script Notes, Things Interesting to Screenwriters. Things about screen, screen, something screenwriting and things interesting to screenwriters with uh, uh, John August and Craig Mazin. And Craig has been talking about how much he loves the TV show Sherlock or how much he was enjoying it. Uh, there are particular aspects of it. And he was, I think he was talking about it. Uh, now my mind, of course, is blank. But uh, he brought up Mark Addis and... Uh, also works on a League of Gentlemen, a Doctor Who, was in Taboo, the, uh, um, which also had Jonathan Price in it. And uh, like it, the funny thing was, I was like, where did I hear about Mark Gaddis being the uh, banker from Bravos? Did I hear an interview with him? And then I kept looking, and then I said, oh, it was on script notes. Uh, now, how about that quote, uh, that, the full quote that Brian was interrupted on uh, with uh, um, uh, Baelish? Uh, what do we have once we abandon the lie? Chaos, a, a pit waiting to swallow us all. Chaos is a pit, isn't a pit, chaos is a ladder. Men who try to climb it fail and never get to try again. The fall, you know, makes them tired, and some are given a chance to climb, but they refuse. They cling to the realm or the gods or love, illusions. Only the latter is real. The climb is all there is. Uh, so it's like uh, chaos is a ladder. Uh, when Bran was kind of toying, I guess, with, uh, with Baelish. And then I only had one more thing, which was, uh, like, uh, Brian says to uh, Dickon, what did they teach you at that at fancy lad school? And it brought up two things. One is there's actually a skateboard, like, uh, I found this article on Vice about a fancy lad uh, skateboarding. It's by uh, Chris Nirotako uh, from October 1st, 2015. So I don't know, I don't watch a lot of TV, so I don't... Uh, know what happened but it said fancy land is still the best thing in skateboarding and that won't change uh, uh they'd interviewed uh nick big murray about fancy lad his rag ragtag crew of merry wheeled pranksters and uh they were talking about how the france fancy lad boys were all the rage and they sounded really cool they're from boston beantown and it sounded like they were working on an adult swim comedy uh who asked Big and the boys if they could capture lightning in a box and bring their humor for a one-off special, which was called Video History, uh, which I was going to check out. Uh, so a link to that in the show notes, and that might be worth something looking into deeper, the fancy lads. But then I wondered, is there fancy lad schools, and where would we go? And I found a few different options. Uh, it, like, you know, go from, uh, like, worst to, to best, maybe. No offense to anything. Uh, this first site's called The Etiquette Factory, which, again, if, you, if you're looking for etiquette, uh, uh, like, I guess it would be etiquette for the masses, which uh, maybe that's a good thing. 
And this kind of seems like uh, it's the leader in ed- etiquette, education, etiquette for kids, etiquette for schools. It's finally here, Mom and Dad. It's for you. 52-week journey through all the skills children want their parents to have. Raising a generation of ladies and gentlemen. And you can sign up for free etiquette lessons, uh, which i really tempted to just go on a swearing tirade to be kind of uh, etiquette camp. You could become an etiquette instructor and learn how to teach manners. Maybe I could sign up for that. Uh, and uh, what is the etiquette factory? It's a manners company dedicated to changing the world one child at a time. Uh, what are manners and why? Because teaching manners is more important than which fork to use. Etiquette Factory has manners lessons from basic etiquette to specific etiquette, uh, being polite, proper behavior for kids, table etiquette, integrity, and much more. So that's your entry. Like, that's, I guess, etiquette for plebs. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, and then let's, like, work our way up uh, two more levels of etiquette, like uh, fancy lads and ladies schools, fancy schools. Uh, so that would be what, that's your entry level. Uh, sounds like you could probably get your school district to pay for it. Uh, this one's called miningmanners.com, and it's International Etiquette and Protocol, Finishing School and Savoie or something, uh, where you can learn decorum, elegance, societal savoir-faire, savoir uh, cosmopolitan view on the world, and, and uh, uniquely distinguish you in all that you do. A return to traditional values has placed the word etiquette back in our vocabulary. For some, the idea for <laughs> social niceties Improper protocol may be seen prim and old-fashioned for the past fast-paced world we live in, or on slow, boring podcasts. Uh, but forward thinkers, I guess that's uh, globally sophisticated and not me, uh, know that good manners, I mean, being kind stands out. Uh, I just don't like manner enforcement is my thing. Minding Manners is Europe's uh, leading internationally certified etiquette consultancy. Yeah, bringing you first-hand experience to help you become poised and polished here and around the world. Of course, I don't think you can find pricing on any of this, uh, but I can tell you what, it's probably not going to be cheap. Uh, what about children's etiquette over at Minding Manners? Give a, a, a special child in your life a gift that will last a left lifetime. So here's for all the fancy ladies and lads in your life, uh, and, you know, lads beyond the binary. Uh, everyone needs etiquette. Uh, uh, participate in the future by handling social, scholastic, and professional situations with grace and ease. Our goal is to give your child the necessary building blocks for a solid future through poise, confidence, integrity, and leadership. So these aren't bad things. Uh, like I, you know, it's just uh, like I'm I'm dead inside, so I got to make fun of something. But this is probably like there's probably even more. Obviously, the ones that are really for the like uh, you could they don't have websites. Uh, but this one looks pretty good. The Etiquette School of New York. Uh, welcome. The Etiquette is a school of New York and Manhattan. So if they can afford Manhattan rents, it's already a good sign that they're fancy. I think I should probably just do this as a sitcom. Fancy lad school. Uh, your social source for social and business etiquette and international protocol. And they have a YouTube video on there. Social etiquette, would you like to develop the confidence and polished your social graces that help you achieve your professional and personal goals? Oh, they have a one. How about any reporters that listen to this? Uh, 
One day social success makeover. Finishing school for adults is for you. Uh, the Etiquette School of New York was founded uh, to help foster the ideals of proper etiquette, good manners, and civil behavior. Offers a comprehensive program of business and social etiquette training, international protocol seminars. Uh, we conduct our life-changing confidence-building invaluable training programs for corporations and universities. So that's actual fancy. That sounds like the fanciest we're going to get without like a referral. You know, like it doesn't sound like this one has any like, uh, like, you know, gilded stuff, but it sounds like a return. How about a return to the gilded age? Uh, gilded, does gilded, is gilded double meaning or uh, how about a, a return to just the gilded age? Uh, the gilded, gilded Radner school for fancy lads. That would be the school I'd want to go to. Uh, and if I, you know, when I go into the next life, maybe I'll get in. Uh, thanks. Uh, and let's keep the show going. Okay. Okay. Padman, is, is it ro- are we rolling? Yeah, we're rolling. We're ro- we're live. Okay. Are you ready? Cause this is going to be a good one. Uh, I'm ready. So pounce. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Padman, we're ready. You go, go take it from the top. Oh, oh you actually, Tom, and you go first. Oh, that's right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary, welcome to another, welcome to K-Pounce Radio, the radio of cats and boys and best friendship at K-Pounce, the radio where cats and friend, cats and boys are best friends. We now uh, interrupt this episode of uh, the afternoon show with, uh, like, uh, pr- pr- promotions. Uh, take, okay, Padman, go. Ladies and gentlemen, hey, welcome to the Super Happy Fun Solution Show with Tom and M. Pounce. Uh, I know you had character names, but I forgot. I'm sorry, Tom. Oh, it's okay. I forgot mine. I think I was Craig, maybe. Okay, go, Podman. If you've got a problem, they've got a solution. Let me turn it over to Craig. Oh, thanks, Tommy. It's me, Craig. I'm here with your solutions, and I'm here with my partner, uh, Al. Uh, Al, say hello. Meow. Al, I notice you have four legs where most people are walking around on two. Have you ever noticed that? Meow, meow. Now, Al, I've got a question for you, and it's a bit of a conundrum. What do you think is more efficient, walking on two legs or walking on four? Meow, meow, Right, you don't even know. Uh, well, I bet you there's a lot of people out there in our audience. Hello, audience. I'm uh, your, your host, Craig, and I'm here with so many solutions for your everyday lives. And today I've heard from so many people, cats and boys who are best friends. Those are, that's our main audience here on uh, K-Pounce Radio. But also mothers and fathers I see in the audience there, and sisters and cousins and, and friends, all friends of cats, I think, and just people like K-Pounce Radio for all the other wonderful things we bring you. And how about it, before we get to the prod, today's product, how about that Tom and Pounce? What heroes? Who would have known you could build an entire radio station with uh, content based on just a boy and his cat best friend? Wow. But even they uh, suffer from the inefficiencies of walking to and fro. And I know some inventors and humans have said, well, let's solve this with some wheels. Uh, many times back in time, uh, they said, well, we'll get a wheel, we'll get, make it from stone, 
and then we'll look at it. We'll put a hole in it, too, and then we'll take a picture of ourselves uh, sitting there with the wheel made of stone. And if as time will roll on, you know, they made cars and they made bikes and they made things. But they never totally solved the issue. Because I'll tell you something. What do you have to do with a car? you got to get in it, right? you got to do a bunch of things. you got to keep it going. you got to keep it running. But the first thing you got to do is frigging open the door and sit inside. And then there's, what is that, what is that, Al? Yeah, and, 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 yeah, you could get car sick. A bike, you got to sit on it. And it Al, what does a bike do to you when you sit with a tail? Right, no good. And, oh, did you say the seat smell? No, I don't want to talk about the seat smelling. And so we here at K-Pounce Radio, we hired the greatest team of scientists to look at another solution. That you might say, Craig, we already know about that. It's wheels on your feet. We call it roller skates or roller blades. And I would say to you, if that was really a solution, why aren't you wearing them right now? Because they don't work right. Correct. Thank you, Al. Now, you're going to see my friend Al here, my best friend. Al, go ahead and walk around in front of the studio audience. Oh, now Al's walking on four feet where you walk on two. Now, how many people have used these skating things and taking a tumble or something? You see everybody, right? Now, look at Al here. Al has four feet, and Al is closer to the ground. So we, with our team of scientists, said, well, what if we could take the easiness of having wheels on your feet and the difficulty of standing upright for boys like me sometimes and, you know, falling. But also say, well, sometimes your legs get tired. Oh, so tired. I can't believe they even make me. I asked them, like the famous singers, I said, carry me into the studio. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I also miss my mother. That's when I feel like I don't feel like walking. I say, where is my mother? But anyway, thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, Al. Thanks for thanks for licking my hand. That helped me. So we said, what if uh, we took the wheels on your feet and added wheels to your hands? Then, if you get tired, you just go on all fours. So if you fall down, you don't, because these wheels have shocks, or they will. Once we like, this is our first model. It is just and now. You say, look at now. Look at me here. I'm putting them on my hands. Those are gloves. With a roller skate attached. That's what you're saying, sir, but you're incorrect. These are hand wheels. They go on your hands, just like these wheels would go on my feet. Now, I would demonstrate, but I am in a professional presenter position. So I just want you to imagine no longer having to get in and out of your car, no longer having to get on a bike, uh, no longer just gliding through your life. Uh, and then when you get tired, you say, well, I'll go on all fours. And let me tell you a few other things. You've heard of this yoga. Can you imagine doing yoga while you're doing chores? You say, well, I'm going to the market. I'm going to be doing some yoga on the way, downward dog the whole way, maybe a little child's pose, and I'll still be moving. No, never before in the history of yoga or, you know, people has this been done. And now you can do it while you're doing your regular run-of-the-mill things. Also, it's good exercise, they say. That's why it's so tiring. 
and you never have to worry about slipping because you have your hands and you can wheel. Also, uh, now before we get to the price here, let me just ask you a question. Do you ever have back aches or leg aches or arm aches? Or you're in your life and you're with someone and they say, I'd like you to rub my back. Well, with wheel hands, you could rub the back right away and it feels so good. I mean, who would spend $1,000 for a massage when you could do it for free? So here's what we're talking about today. No longer getting in and out of a car with gasoline or electricity. Uh, no longer riding a bike and it bothering your tail or, you know, having, you know, with cat, you know, cat smell or, you know, walking. Oh, walking. Who invented that thing? So mundane. And did everybody say, oh, like, did anybody ever say, wish they could just glide right by? Well, now you can. You can also experience the joy and freedom of movement, like a ballerina, of yoga, of massage, of oneness with the earth. And you can use your hands so you could, you know, if you slip or if you get tired. How much would you pay for such a convenience? Would you pay... Uh, Al, what's the latest cost on an automobile? $30,000, Al says. And Al, if you were going to buy a bike, uh, like which only has two wheels, uh, would that be half the price of an automobile? I'm sorry, $1,000, okay, $1,000 around, okay, whoa, boy. And those tires go flat too, right, Al? They don't just, they're not hard like the ones on the handle wheels and feet wheels. Minimum, right, minimum, minimum, maximum trouble, exactly. So now your problems are solved. And we here, we said to the, you know, we're here at the Berlinghofer Institute, which I forgot to tell you at the beginning because I was distracted because some people don't read the scripts that I wrote with crayon for them. Uh, but yes, uh, we here have patented so many things. We will. Uh, all your modern problems are going to be solved. How much would you pay for such a thing? Uh, L, how much would you pay? Yeah, 200 Well, Al, I think that's just too expensive. Uh, Marty, could we do it for $100? Well, Marty's shaking their head and no. Oh, Marty. Well, how many how many wheels do we have in total? We have six wheels on each feet. That's twelve, and four and each hand is eight. That's twenty wheels. Marty, I've got a crazy idea. What about not a hundred dollars? What about a dollar a wheel? And then we take off a penny. Nineteen ninety nine, Marty. How does that sound? Marty's flipping out, folks. Marty can't believe it. And I'll tell you what, Marty, I'm not even willing to stop there because uh, with this beta model that has never been tested before, I think people would want their loved ones testing this out with them. So I think for 1995, we won't give you uh, 20 wheels. That's two, one for your left hand, one for your right hand, one for your left foot, one for your right foot. We'll give you two of each. Uh, so that's two sets of hand wheels, two pair. In two pair of hand foot feet uh, foot wheels, uh, uh, so you'll have it for you and your loved one to test out. Also, we, when you order, be sure uh, to uh, there's a release. That's an important thing. Marty told me not to forget uh, liability release for use of these things. Uh, 
because it's coming in at the low, low price of, you know, that would be, so you're getting, four, Marty, is it 40 wheels for 20, less than $20? Holy cow. Also, there is a data collection unit, so it does need to be connected to your home Wi-Fi so we could collect some data with via microphone and video camera. Uh, for my new, ch- also, I'm coming out with a new channel, uh, Skate Goofs. It's a new show about uh, skating gone wrong. Uh, it'll be premiering on Cape Pounce Television this fall. Skate Goofs. Uh, be sure to sign that release. Uh, so that's right. That offer's only good when you can hear this advertisement or afterwards or before it somehow. That's uh, four, pa- four, two sets, two full sets of... Uh, the most convenient way to move through the world for 1995 plus shipping and handling a charge to be decided at a later date plus full, uh, uh, exemption from any liabilities and possibly, uh, an uncompensated appearance on skate goofs, stave skate goofs. I'm sorry. My thanks, Marty. Uh, thanks to ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the bias. It's been my pleasure. Sharing with you solutions to the modern world, your friend, uh, Al. Thanks, Al. Meow. And I'm Craig, and I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, cool, Podman. Uh, thanks for listening to Cape Outs Radio. Uh, we now return you to regularly scheduled programming, which is uh, concluded for the day. Cape Outs, uh, best friends, boys, and cats everywhere. Oh, Podman, that was... Like, do you think I could really do skate goose? Skate goose, I think it is, Tom, and goofs, uh, skate goose. Oh, what about skate goose? We'll put a goose on a skate. Uh, no, Tom, that's not allowed around. You could probably do that in Westeros when you were a king, but not here. It's not a... Uh, oh, you, you and your morals, oh boy. But if they sign the release, we could film them for skate goose, and we don't have to do anything. Yeah, but the, the, luckily this is just imaginary, so this was just playtime. But yeah, if if it was, oh, you mean we aren't going to make skate goofs? I was thinking you could be the star of it, Podman. We'll get you some skates, and we'll let you just work your magic. Okay, let's start. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Tom and Pat. Okay, goodbye, everyone. I'm so Tom and really, I was in. I was in roll with Sapounce. Good night. Crone, sweet, sweet Crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, Hound Dog God. It is I, your humble, earthbound, non Westerosi, repentient, and always ready to learn. I don't know which, uh, like, uh, vocabulary you like from that. Sweet, sweet Crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester. I remember learning, seek and ye shall find, but I've found through you, O gods, be lost and thou shall be, eventually be be confused and more lost and, you know, go roller coaster of feelings and then go in the woods and be lost and then, you know, maybe be like feel down, a lot of frowning, scowling. And then say, well, maybe I, well, maybe this is what I found, and maybe why, but you know, all those things. Be lost and seek, and ye shall find. And oh, sweet, sweet Chrome Miller Smith, Barky Jester, so thankful for you to answer 
in those oblique ways you do. You work in mysterious ways, as you two once said. And But, you know, I think I'm getting smart enough to notice and then only complain and swear and talk under my breath and passive, really aggressively talk about you, crone, sweet, sweet crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, and then tell people you're, you're, maybe I told people you're a joke. Hey, gods, quick question. Do you have to lose your faith to find it in, the, like, uh, what about loathing? How many people, gods, crone? I, I know you can sense this, so why bother talking around? Like, uh, how do you feel about people that believe in you and loathe you at the same time? Is that a sign of a mature, mature faith? Uh, anyway, thank you. Cause I said, well, geez, I really need to learn about people and listening and other compassion and empathy. I forgot to mention those things last week, but I think those are key. And I know one of the keys to listening and we're like being present for others, providing love crone. Like I do with you, and I mean, uh, is uh, being of attention, attention, A T T E N T I O N, I think is how you spell it. And I'm not talking about paying attention, but I am. And I realize the error of my ways uh, this week because uh, my clumsiness finally dawned on me. Uh, that that's a result of not paying attention. D- despite all the times those crones in my life have said, well, you know, why don't you pay more attention? If only you paid attention to what you were doing, why don't, are you paying attention? You know, said if I had to pay for attention, like I'd be, uh, I'd, maybe I have, it. that's a different kind of attention. If I had to pay because I didn't pay attention to pay attention, if I had to pay to pay to te- pay attention, that's what I didn't realize I was doing, and I've been paying the wrong toll booth, uh, gods. And that's why, you know, stubbing my toe, I think I complained about that last week, dropping things. You know, one thing I did, Crone, Sweet Sweet Crone, Miller, Smith, Bark, Miller, you might not like this. Uh, Smith, you probably won't like this. Maybe you will, though. You know, I tend to break a lot of things, and then when you, like, especially dishes and glasses and those things. And then you get to the decision where, for someone like me, of moderate means, uh, and, you know, to to say I'm tasteless would have, you know, that's more than one meaning. And you need glasses. There's two places I know where you could buy them that I would go to, TJ Maxx or the other place, which has two different names, or Ikea. And usually TJ Maxx wins because it's just so much less emotionally exhausting unless I need something to hold something. And the Doughboys were recently, grown, sweet, sweet, grown, Miller, Smith, Barky, Jester. Do you know the Doughboys? I like them. Anyway, I'll move on. Maybe this, I'll just recommend one podcast. Crone, did you listen to any? Barky, do you have any of the electronics I've left in trees for you over the years? Five or six years now, Barky. I don't know how long it's been. Uh, but anyway, that's its own credit card. I just pay the minimum balance anyway, Barky. So whenever you get that stuff to me, I can either return it or, you know, try to, you know, hopefully you'll give me some sort of divine intervention, like some gold. How about some golden acorns, Barky? Oh, attention, God. Sorry about that. Uh, 
So I think in my clumsiness, oh, so I usually buy my glasses or plates at TJ Maxx or the other place if, uh, depending on, like, like what my internal, like, vibrations are when I go in. I think they call it, on one coast, they call it Marsh, Marshalls and Ross. I think those are the two ways. In Syracuse, it's Marshalls. In California, it's Ross. I could be wrong, God, so. I prefer TJ Maxx just so I can say I'm a Maxinista, and I don't know if they say that anymore. Though lately, when I'm in there, I still yell. I feel like PETA when I'm in the uh, when I'm in the dressing room. I like to say that. Uh, but someone said, uh, it's, it, uh, you know, they took it the wrong way. They thought I was talking about fur. I said, no, 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 I'm not with that PETA. I said I feel like PETA. PETA, the one. Uh, like Pete and Katniss from six years ago, um, I, I have dated references in, in in dressing rooms. Oh, but I'm supposed to be ta- paying attention, gads. So thank you for making me so clumsy and putting things in my path to trip on and making me unaware of my legs and my body. So I bump into walls and corners and dog gate. How, how many times have I run into that dog gate crone? How many times do I have to run into it from now on? But I just want to thank you because it lets me know, oh, I'm not paying attention. Maybe that maybe I could pay more attention. Um, but then I notice I also trip when I'm trying to pay attention. When I'm worrying about not paying attention to other people, then I'm not paying attention to myself. Uh, and I'm not really paying attention to the other person because I'm worrying about paying attention. And then I, you know, then side, that's when the sidewalk cracks get me. But I know that's one key for me to understand better other people. Uh, Really, like, how about you, like, couldn't you just scoop out the parts of my brain that do all the talking, you know, crone? Uh, I know you can't do that because then I would be even less of, you know, crone. I know you're jester. I know you're all laughing at that. So instead of helping me think about, you know, help me focus, you know, pay attention. I know I should, but I think what you're trying to teach me, gods, in your own mysterious ways is that uh, how good it could be if I paid attention. Maybe even enjoy the trip in the fall. Is Enjoy the trip, uh, they say, you know, they say to me a lot. How was the fall? Uh, you know, sometimes they even make ones about autumn or something, uh so thank you, God, for the little lessons, the little life lessons tucked inside of, uh, like I say, is that a fortune cookie or is that something that just doesn't look like a fortune cookie? But I, you know, so thank you, God. Sweet, sweet crone. Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, Hound Dog. Thank you for helping me pay attention or, learn, you know, thank you, God. Thanks.